Welcome back to the Remembering Ethan podcast. My guest today is Mike Mercer. Mike is a good friend and a very talented vocalist, guitarist, and songwriter. He spent many years performing in Phoenix, and although he was widely known as a solo acoustic performer, he also performed with Ethan in a band called Capital Down. In addition to that, he also had a band called Leo's Invention, who recorded and performed original music for a few years in Phoenix as well. Mike and I never performed together, but we ran in the same circles as Ethan and became fast friends. And I remember hearing one time when I was still living in Phoenix that he went, he took his solo acoustic act on the road and he did a tour of several states. And then after he came back, I heard again a few months later that he did the same thing and added more states. Now, I left Phoenix in 2010, and I remember that soon after I left, I heard that he had gone on a tour in Europe, which I thought was really cool. I mean, I thought it was cool that he was touring around the States. And then again, he went back to Europe and did another uh, show where he was traveling with his music in Europe. And then around 2016, I saw on Facebook that he actually moved to Sweden, and that's where he lives today. Um, To this day, Mike is still a professional traveling musician who performs across Europe. Mike and I have kept in touch throughout the years, and when I asked him to sit down and talk with me about Ethan, he had zero hesitation. So here is my conversation with Mike. I hope you enjoy it. Mike. Hello, hello. How's it going, man? (laughs) I'm good. How you doing, man? Uh, Dude, I'm just really stoked to talk to you. Um, I talked to Tony King yesterday, and I was really excited to talk to him. And uh, awesome. you were, yeah, you were really good buds with Ethan. And, um, you know, those are the interviews I look forward to the most. And I know that I'm going to talk to people who I don't know who are really close to him as well. But it, it gives me a little bit of an edge when we're mutual friends, you know. Sure thing, yeah. Um, before we get started talking about Ethan, though, so what, what have you been up to creatively in the past couple of years? kind of projects are you doing well i mean uh so you know like all of us i've kind of been doing this pub music bar stuff cover cover song stuff for forever and i'm still doing that um a couple years ago i moved to uh well almost six years ago and i moved to sweden and i've been doing it kind of around europe um here and there, there have been some writing projects. During Corona, uh, I started a band here in the town I live in with a couple guys. Um, and then right when we started kind of, <laughs> right when we started getting our stride and getting the songs together, we had like probably five or six songs ready to, you know, pr- pretty pretty good to start recording and stuff. And I got busy again. I got back to work and it's, you know, like I said, it's a lot of traveling and stuff like that. So it kind of, dropped completely off the map so still just uh just working the working the tunes working the tunes to the people 
lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And uh, mo most of your gigs are cover gigs. Are you doing any kind of original stuff nowadays or writing at least or have it in mind? Well, in fact, uh, I do have a, uh, when I first came over here, the, the, the one gig that I was coming over here to do, and then it turned into this bigger thing, um, was this, uh, this festival uh, in the, the town of Motala, and that's where I live now. Um, so I did that festival, it was, the, it was the first one they were doing, and I was the first one, and I ended up doing them like, I think seven years in a row. And, uh, and now I'm doing it again. They haven't had it in the last couple of years. You know why. And then, uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to do that again. That's, that'll be, uh, uh, predominantly all originals, just an hour set, uh, festival setting, you know? That's yeah. very cool, man. And I know you're not big into streaming and recording what you're doing and stuff, but man, it would be cool to see that. I uh, wish I could just cruise over to Sweden and visit you and go see you do that, but you can do it. You can, you get a place to stay anyway. <laughs> well, it's on my bucket list, man. And you know, if you think of it, even if you just put your phone down by your feet and hit the record button, I'd love to hear it. Cause you know, I'm a huge fan of your music and um, that's cool. Are you doing any new music or is you it know what? I'll get, I'll get something going, dude. I will. I, I need to do that anyway. And so I'll, I'll put a tripod out uh, and uh, you know, just, film it from the front i think i think i'm gonna do that anyway so awesome man i know i'm not the only one who'd be stoked to hear that well ah, you know, cool. um i guess the best place to start is uh do you remember how you met ethan i do that was the one that was the one thing that i had planned actually for this so uh <laughs> cool that's actually kind of funny i told you earlier that i had been talking to matt tenor and um Matt and Ethan used to do an acoustic duo for a while and I knew Matt uh, a bit, but I didn't know Ethan yet. And so, all right. So I guess it starts at, if you remember the, the bar, I know you do sugar daddies and Scottsdale, yep. uh, all us, all us acoustic guys. I mean, everybody who was doing like any kind of like acoustic music was playing on that patio for seven days a week, sometimes, you know, two, two, uh, two, different acts a day sometimes three and so they always put out their calendar about who was playing for the month and i'd always see ethan and matt out there uh anyway one day uh it was uh we got booked for a sanco de mayo thing at their sister bar that joe screen goes in scottsdale and they were the first ones they were like 10 in the morning and then i was gonna go on next at 11 and uh at the time I had like this, this big pedal board and stuff like that. And there was nobody there. It was just like the sound guy, those guys on stage. And I, and I walked up with my, my, uh, oversized pedal boards and, uh, they kind of, you know, how Ethan was, he was just kind of like messing with me. Like, Oh, solo acoustic guy with his <laughs> two, two suitcases full of gear. <laughs> and, um, and so, uh, you know, it's Cinco de Mayo in, in the Phoenix area. So it was just scorching hot. And, uh, and I asked the sound guy or whoever, whoever was running the thing, if I could get like some kind of umbrella or, uh, and some water <laughs> and they totally made that happen. So when Matt and Ethan got done playing, 
like there's like three guys who came out and they put out one of those big those big umbrellas on wheels big a whole cooler full of water and those guys had nothing those guys were just out baking in the sun the whole time no water and nothing so my my meeting with ethan was like you know how how he's like oh sure mike mercier gets the treatment and we get nothing like that so uh so that was kind of the, the i mean for a long time that's how i knew him if i would ever cross paths or if i'd hear his name or if he'd hear my name he'd be like oh yeah mr uh you know special treatment over there but uh and you know as we became friends later on i mean that's that that joke was always there that inside joke was always you know was always there from that first meeting but um but yeah so that was the first time which is pretty fun and then uh and then later on, I mean, we uh, we got into that that band, uh, Capital Down, um, and that was when we, I mean, really, you know, connected. We were, it was a kind of a serious band for, for I don't even four or five years anyway. So, and that leads to my next question, which was, uh, you know, what was the first or the main project that you guys did together, and that was Capital Down, yes. Definitely. Yeah. He, he, uh, he and Alan Chadwick and Tony King, we talked about earlier, uh, they were, they were in another band. And, uh, I think, <laughs> I think Alan and the singer weren't getting along too well. So they were kind of looking to do something else. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess long story short, they had, Alan had come out, I think maybe it was both of them, Alan and Ethan came out to uh, one of my things and kind of explained what was going on. And at first I wasn't really interested in doing a, a, a serious cover band thing. Cause I kind of just wanted to do the solo thing, but uh, eventually it uh, eventually it just made sense to do it. And I'm, you know, I'm glad I did. I, I mean, that was the, one of the funnest bands, one of the funnest musical things I've ever done. It was so much fun with those guys. Well, yeah, I mean, you guys are awesome. Uh, if you remember, at the time I was teaching and I had a rock band, after school rock band. And uh, I, I had you guys come to the school and set up and play for them. Remember That's that? That's right. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I do man. remember that. That was, that was weird and really cool, really fun. <laughs> you guys made me like a super cool teacher for sure. And then I got up and did a couple tunes with you too. And the kids were just like, what? <laughs> Cause I was, you know, Mr. Serious, Mr. I remember the way I remember it. The way I remember that was, uh, you know, I can't remember what time of day it was. It was, I think it was like early though. It was like in the morning sometime. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And you had, uh, I don't know, you had whatever, how many, uh, I forget how many kids, but you had them. Just then, it wasn't really like a. It's like a, just a classroom, right? It, it was the band room. The school band. Okay, room. yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, all right. And we set up, and I just remember the kids being like, kind of like, what, like, what, what is, what are they doing? What do you, what is this? Uh -huh. Like they weren't sure what to think about it. And then, uh, and then when we started, when we started cranking it out, man, they, you know, just can't help it, man. They felt the tunes, and they were really into it. And then, yeah, you got up and they were very much into that. <laughs> oh, that was fun. Yeah, I was I was surprising them with you guys. 
Yeah, dude, that was a really cool memory. And you guys um, really impressed the kids. And, and, you know, going back to what you were saying about how you met, well, not how you met Ethan, but when Alan and Ethan came to watch you play, I remember Alan calling me and uh, sharing some of his grievances with his current situation. I said, you know, but there's this guy, Mike Mercer, who is an awesome, and I had met you through Randy and uh, seen you play. And then I had even, um, what was the name of, of, of your band with Tuan? Leo's Invention. Yeah, I had even uh, met up with Tuan and kind of um, auditioned a little bit to play guitar for you guys. You were out of the- Ah, that's right, that the, is right. You were out of the state or something like that for a minute and uh came over but they had all these tracks of you singing on it and so i was kind of you know learning the songs and going over to tuan's house and playing along with tracks of you and i just remember thinking man this guy can sing <laughs> you know like wow, wow. this guy's really good <laughs> and, and i had caught uh, some acoustic stuff of you and you know like tony's or mike and tony both had mentioned or maybe it was mike uh you know when you are a musician and you have musician friends you don't really see each other perform because you're outperforming as well you know and your nights off absolutely yeah it's hard it's definitely it's hard to get out and see everybody it is man um but i remember i did catch you sometime oh oh and uh we were doing battle of the bands at sugar daddies we we had won the previous year um, with Ethan and Tony, and that was, you know, about a year after I knew those guys, and um, we did another one the following year. We didn't win that year. That year, um, I think it was Mitchell. That's Demonet, right? Demonet, yeah, Demonet won that year, but you got up on your own and did a Slayer tune on your acoustic, and I was like, what? And it was awesome. I mean, you, you <laughs> rocked it, dude. And I was like, oh, my God. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, I'm thinking you're a rock star already. And I told Alan, I go, there's this oh, guy in town, man. His name is Mike Mercer, and he's freaking killer. Uh, you guys would be awesome together. And he was like, Mike Mercer, huh? He goes, well, what's he sound like or what's his style? And I said, well, you know, uh, you just you got to go see him. So I got a hold of you. And I said, and I said, where are you playing? You told me and I called Alan and I told him and then uh, he and Ethan went out to see you play. And then I remember him calling me after that. Hey, man, thanks a lot. You know, uh, yeah, he's, he, he, he would really work well with us. And uh, then you guys ended up matching up, you know, and doing Capital Down. Um, and then there was one other thought, uh, memory or thought that I had is when uh, when. Ethan used to play with Matt Tenor. Uh, man, I mean, did you did you ever catch their show? I mean, you were there that day. Did you pay attention to what they were doing? Honestly, not really. I was I was kind of trying to get my umbrella and the <laughs> 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 situation. You were, you were working on you were working on sorting out all the special treatment, um, dude. Yeah. <laughs> entire second half of abbey road well i mean they would harmonize it and ethan would play all the you know all the intricate parts and matt too you know they would do harmony solos and i mean it was just killer man they had a really cool really cool thing going you know i don't know that i ever 
saw them as a duo again. I've seen I've seen Matt a bunch of times. He and I became really tight too. Yeah. And uh, I would go out to his solo shows. I even get to like know his parents pretty well because they were always out. And uh, you know, sometimes we'd be playing nearby each other. So if 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 one of us would get done early, we'd go check out the other one kind of thing. And uh, and I remember he was like he had like such a crazy huge uh, Beatles repertoire. Yeah. And that, and you know, I've seen Ethan and Todd, I've seen Ethan do duos with everybody, and he just like, right. I mean, seamlessly fits in, and like you say, all the special parts, all the harmony stuff, it's just, it just was always there. Yeah. He you was, know, whether on bass or guitar or the vocal stuff, yeah. Oh, he was amazing, dude, especially, especially with the Beatles stuff, you know, and he, Ethan got me into the Beatles. I had always resisted that whole thing um and you know once we had played together a couple years he goes oh yeah he mentioned made a reference to like one of the beatles albums and i was clueless and he goes hold on wait stop you don't know the beatles and i was like ah, not really a big beatles guy you know and, and he definitely um changed that <laughs> he goes no dude man. you know what same same exact year i i i I was never into it either. And over the, you know, over my, you know, all these years, people have always said like, how can you not know the Beatles? And they're right. Uh, but I just was like, yeah, whatever. And then uh, Ethan kind of, you know, not really sat me down, but um, made sure to <laughs> yeah. make sure that I, you know, soak some of that in. And I did too. It was in, and I'm glad I did. Oh, for sure. And you know, what was so amazing about the way he did it for me was he took me through each album and even bought me a couple of CDs. Um, and, you know, he would say, okay, you know, you got to listen to, uh, you know, th this album, you know, is their early stuff. When they, now, now, keep in mind, these guys are like 18, 19 years old, you know, and then uh, I'd listen to it and then he would, and then we would talk, we'd meet up at a gig. And we'd go through each tune and talk about it. And he'd give me some history on it. And then he'd say, okay, uh, now you got to listen to this album. And, we, and he, he went through every single freaking Beatles album with me uh, over a year, you know, a year's length, a, a period of like a year or something like that. And uh, man, he was just so cool that way, you know, <laughs> and I'm glad he did. He was I'm into it, man. He was into stuff like he had a uh he had like uh uh like a like a teacher's soul in a way like he was really excited about like introducing people to new things and getting into it and making sure they understood it properly you know whether it's you know like you're saying the beatles or or anything else and when he and i like you know sometimes we take long road trips there was a couple uh there were a couple of gigs that were a few hours away and we take you know two cars and be you know Sometimes it'd be me and him, sometimes me and somebody else or whatever. But uh and we'd we'd geek out on stuff. We we do more of like a common ground thing, geek out on stuff that we both were super into but didn't know the other one was into. Yeah. You know, like Rush and uh you know, I don't know, all those progressive bands. So Capital Down, that that was, was that pretty much the only project you ever did with them? Did you ever do any one-offs or side things with Ethan? We did some, uh, we would do, uh, 
kind of unplanned uh, duos, you know, because he had, um, I mean, he had duos with everybody. You know, it was Todd and Ethan, Matt and Ethan. Uh, I forget. I don't know the country guys so much, but uh, uh, I don't know their names. Like the, like the guys that Tony King plays with, those guys, you know, one, he just had like all these different duo stuff that he would do. So every once in a while, somebody would, uh, you know, I think him and uh, he and Randy used to do some stuff too. Yep. And uh, if somebody would kind of, you know, had an emergency or bailed for whatever reason, he'd like hit me up and say, Hey, can you, you know, can you do today at, uh, at this place at this time? And I sure we did some, uh, we did uh, probably, you know, a handful, maybe let's call it 25 duo gigs together. And, uh, and it was, and it was more like I was the guy filling in and I always, I was never comfortable in that position because I'm not much, I'm not a lead player. I'm not, uh, you know, I've never really, uh, had to sing harmonies. It was, you know, I've been doing the solo thing forever or been the lead singer in the band. Um, so, uh, so that was a challenge for me, but again, like he just, it, it, it was never his first rodeo. He, he's like, ah, don't worry. I've done, you know, I've worked with somebody just like you before. So, you know, don't sweat it. We swap off songs and, uh, whatever I didn't know, he'd walk me through, you know, while we were playing it, he just kind of like, <laughs> you know, shout out the chord. What was next? Here's the change, you know, everything. And, and um, it was kind of, he just kind of knew who he was playing with and what their, uh, I guess their skill level in that, in that moment was, and, uh, was always great about leading, you know, me or whoever through. He was so great at that dude. And it came up with Mike and Tony as well, you know, just his ability to always know where the one was and always direct everyone. And I was telling a story to one of those guys about, you know, when we first started doing the Chris Tafoya band, we'd play, you know, like a two or three hour show. And we had all of our original stuff, but you know, you had to have fillers and people would come up and request songs. And I would be like, dude, I do not know that song. And he would just say, oh, it's fine. He was playing F and uh, follow me. And just like that. Ah. It'd be great. Don't worry. It'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be good. Yeah. I'll, I'll see you. Don't worry. You know, and I'd be standing there like, no, dude, I can't do that. And he's, and he just got me to a point to a comfort level on the stage that I don't think I would have ever gotten to had I not been in his presence, you know, and that served Randy and I really well. Cause over the years, people would come asking for us for a tune you didn't know, or you didn't want to play holding a $50 bill. And you're like, sure we know that song you know and you just make your way through it but he was so good at that yeah yeah he just totally totally i mean he yeah for sure i mean even uh i guess i was probably around 35 years old 30 30 i don't know whatever like that so you know we were close to the same age and at that time i you know i still felt you know i've been playing full-time for you know 10 years or so by that point. And uh, he still had, still had feelings like a rookie sometimes. And, uh, and yeah. he just, I don't know. Yeah. Just 
learned learned a lot just by you know they always say when you want to you play with better players and you get better you become a better player by playing with, yes. with better players and definitely uh he comes to mind anytime i hear anybody say that oh sure man you know and that leads me into to my next question which was you know like he just being around it was almost like you said earlier like you had a teacher's soul you know just being around him you would learn stuff not only about music but in life in general you know like he had a huge influence on me and and the way that i approach and see music and a lot of things that i approach and see in life you know i i just from watching him but what kind of influence or uh change did he have in your life not in not only just in music but you know maybe in your personal life as well but definitely like with performing and on your instrument what kind of stuff did you take away from your time with him well i mean um this i'm not sure if this will answer it exactly but this is what pops in my mind is that uh when when ethan and i were on stage or off stage like how do i frame this well i'll start with on stage like we bet we both really fed off each other and it was almost like a competitive way but not in like a like a jealous competitive way it was like this one one upping competition all the time and it wasn't always uh it wasn't always like outward into the audience like making jokes on the microphone there was a lot of inside stuff happening in real time uh between between he and i and uh like there's this one time uh <laughs> i i kind of wrote about the story when he first passed this is the first i was up that night just thinking and i was like this was just a, a funny thing to me i don't know how anybody else took it but we had played this gig like out of town somewhere and it was like a corporate thing. And, um, this old, old guy wanted the woman who hired us to play this thing to sing, to sing blue by you from Linda Ronstadt. And we just didn't know it. And we just weren't that kind of band at all. And she right. was like, look, this guy's going to try to get me on stage. She's, she's like, I do. She's like, I'm not saying this to be modest. I don't want to do it. Just tell him, just, I don't want to do it. It's not happening. I'm like, all right, fine. So all night long, he's badgering us and the party is banging. There's like beach balls flying around. It was kind of around a pool and everybody's like having a time of their life. And this guy just comes up in the middle of it, getting like beach ball bounced off his head and elbowing his way through the, through the party to come tell us. And I quote, we're just thumbed down. <laughs> like nobody's having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> and we just looked at each other and just started cracking up. And so we just laughed so hard. It was so, it was so silly and stupid. This guy was so, you know, delusional. And uh, so from then on, like for years later, uh, every time it was like a, a real rocking party, that was, that was what we'd say. Or not even say it. We'd look at each other and then laugh because we knew the other one was going to say it. And then it was extra funny because we knew – the other guy knew that I was going to say it and vice versa. So a lot of like inside stuff and a lot of like one upping and, and uh, you know, if he, if I make a, you know, some kind of filthy remark, not, you know, to him, 
he'd come up with one even filthier and <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> so um, I don't know. And that way, I think, you know, we, I don't know if we want to say elevate. <laughs> it could be the other way. What's the opposite of elevate? Denigrate or elevate. Either way, we, we uh, you know, we fed off each other like that. And I wish I could hear some of those and, conversations. Well, that was the other part I was going to say was, uh, you know, a lot of times it wasn't always easy being at a party with me and Ethan because we would do that too. And sometimes we'd kind of both just hold court all night long. <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe <laughs> our significant others weren't always too happy about that. So... Yeah, it was always like that. It was just always like that. And, uh, you know, fun for us, maybe not for, uh, you know, maybe not for everybody in the immediate surrounding area all the time, but we had a good time. I remember one time uh, my wife had a conference in Phoenix and we were staying at Ethan's house. And after a gig, you showed up and uh, we we're hanging, we we're all, me, you and Ethan were hanging out, but you guys were definitely on a different level. And, uh, you were we were listening to a stereo and my wife was she was pregnant pregnant at the time too with my son and she was sleeping in uh that back room of his in his spare room and uh it was i think it was rush you guys are listening to rush and Ethan, he, he he gets up and he just cranks it up you know like loud dude <laughs> i go i go uh hey man you know can you guys turn it down a little bit and then you look and then you like stopped what you're doing and looked at me and you're like, I think you're being a little too sensitive right now. <laughs> you know, like, uh, we're not turning it down, you know, and you guys just kept it cranked yeah, up. Yeah. You were just giving me so Sounds much. Sounds about shit. right. You're giving me so much shit about it. And it was, it was, I mean, now when I think about it, I wasn't mad or anything. I was just like, oh my gosh, these guys are too much. <laughs> But exactly. uh, so, that's the, that's exactly the, that's exactly the, uh, too much is exactly what, uh, has been said in the past. Yeah. Dude, there were so many, so, and I understand that, but nah, dude, you know what? That's what, that, that's, that's what makes you guys you though. And I love you guys no matter what. And, uh, it was fun to, it was, I was having a blast. I was just waiting for my chick to text me and be like, uh, what's going on in there? You know? But she she actually ended up making it through that night. Um, you guys played a lot. Clearly, you guys, yeah, you guys played a lot of gigs together. Um, and playing playing with Ethan was always fun. And I have all my own my all my memories and stuff of that. And there are certain gigs for me that stick out in my mind. Um, how about for you? I mean, is there any one or two? gigs that are the that are more memorable to you than others well actually yeah, yeah uh so actually this is i can't even believe i forgot about this you asked about uh projects that we were involved in so i put out uh in 2009 i put out a solo record and he played on a few songs on it and then also he uh he was for the cd release party i had it was a one-off we put a band together and uh, of course, it was him playing bass. And, uh, you know, when you were saying about how, uh, how the other guys were saying how he always knew where the one was, you know, those guys had like learned all the songs for, you know, for my show 
but I knew these songs inside out, of course, because I wrote them. I worked so, you know, all that other stuff. But I was one who was nervous and I was nervous for everybody else knowing their parts. And so in that, I was the one who kept screwing everything up. And uh, even talking to some of the guys after the show, they're like, you know, like one one song, I think I started, you know, it's just it's a regular, you know, four, you know, fours same pattern as every song or whatever and for some reason i just i just came in like one too early and they all just like looked at each other like what the hell's going on now and ethan just like you know put up his hands to the sign language stuff and just knitted it back together as quickly as possible um so yeah that stands out <laughs> he could save any song man any gig He did, yeah. And so in the end, you know, all the guys, Tony played uh, Tony played drums on that, and then Matt Henderson uh, played uh, guitar. Oh, I didn't know and that. That's cool. Yeah, and I was so... And then uh, Matt Tenor actually played on that on that song that I'm talking about. He was playing uh, piano. Oh, I had a song. I had one song with the piano thing in it. And, uh, yeah, that was the one that went... Uh, that went awry and I was so worried about everybody else's parts that I've, I'm the one who screwed up mine. <laughs> That's hilarious. I've definitely. Yeah. I think, I think they call that a control freak. I've been through that. You're so, you're so focused on things going right. That you go, go a little left. Sometimes you're not focusing on what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there's a lot more gigs, dude. And like I told Tony, you and I are, I, I'm, I'm definitely sure that we're going to have to talk again at some point, you know, especially after this conversation or by listening to this podcast and hearing other people's, you know, memories and, and gigs with them. I'm sure it's going to shake loose some other memories, you know, so. Yeah, I was going to ask you, actually, because I know you talked to the other a couple other guys already. I was like, I kind of wanted a uh, sneak preview so I could have that uh, that advantage. But I mean, you know, these uh, you know, you had the you had the right questions to jog it out anyway. So, well, you know, you do get special treatment, so uh, we could probably make that happen. <laughs> Since you get you know, yeah. <laughs> a treatment guy. Uh, no, for sure, dude. I'd be happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shit. <laughs> Ethan's not around. So <laughs> you I, got me. I got to. I got to. One more you. time. Yeah. Yeah. So at least, at least that, uh, at least that, that very first inside joke still lives on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be happy to do that, man. I'll, I'll definitely send you um, the interviews, and you can listen to them anytime you want. Anyone that's interested, um, so you can check them out. Yeah, cool. And then when you have when you have a collection of, of stuff you know, you want to talk about, you let me know and we'll make it happen. You know, when you guys weren't um, when you guys weren't in any projects together or not, you know, when you kind of drifted off into your separate projects, uh, did you keep in touch? I mean, would you talk often? Did he text you? Did you run into each other when you were out and about? We we lived fairly nearby. Uh, to each other and so um because he because he kind of capital down was a weird band i won't get into it we just kind of we're a bunch of full-time musicians who who kind of got into this band and then it became hectic like we had a lot of substitutes and so uh ethan had this other thing that was a, a better opportunity so he he kind of bowed out of the band before the band 
uh, ended. Um, so sometimes uh, after after you know when he got finished his gig, I got finished mine. Uh, he'd like text or call and you know let's meet up at the house or whatever. Um, once in a while. So, I mean, yeah, we we kept in touch, but uh, but not like not every day. Right. So, so your relationship with him off the stage, outside of performing, um, was it more just like a, a a hangout and let's catch up with each other type thing? I mean, did you guys? It was just like I said before. It was like just yeah, just um, just, you know. I gotta tell you this story. You're not gonna believe what happened. You're not gonna believe what this guy did or this girl did or how, what happened there. It was just like that. And then, oh man, I got one for you too, like that. <laughs> so we we hook up and do that for a few hours. <laughs> Dude, I I could listen. I could have listened to his stories all the time. And he and he was so generous with his talent and his time that he would just literally play with anyone. And uh, he would come across people that were in interesting to say the least. And he'd come back with these stories, you know, <laughs> it's just like, he'd have you rolling and he'd have that laugh. You know, he'd, he'd get you rolling and then yeah, he'd, yeah. He'd start laughing and, and, but he'd still jam with them, you know, and it was never condescending or, or mean in any way, his stories, but they were just hilarious and he had the best story no i know exactly what you're talking about yeah, yeah. you know one other thing too I, I just reminded me of is uh at some point uh rush was doing uh they were touring every year mm -hmm. they were doing their uh, like their r30 and then they had a new album and then they did like another reunion tour and i think it was three years in a row they did the uh they did the um moving pictures that's the album with tom sawyer and limelight on it they did the whole 30th anniversary of that album and so we that was our thing we would uh when we weren't really hanging out as much anymore we weren't playing in a band together anymore whenever rush would come in town we'd, we'd get in touch with each other and, and get tickets and go see that so we went to three of them uh three years in a row and that was always just a, that was just amazing a great tradition to do with him especially because he and i were both like just die hard you know, rabid Rush fans. And we'd, uh, we'd get started at the, uh, <laughs> we'd get started at the light rail and kind of make our way, make our way to the gig, um, you know, slowly. <laughs> and then uh, just, yeah, it was just to really, you know, enjoy the show and have that memory. He was the coolest guy to go to shows with, man. You know, after I'd known him a couple years, um, we were doing playing a gig and I looked in his truck one time and he had a uh, CD from this Mexican band called Mo Molotov, Molotov, like a Molotov cocktail. Okay. And I go, right. and you know, me being from El Paso, you know, I knew a lot of the Mexican rock bands uh, like Caifanes, Molotov. There's just a bunch of them. And Ethan knew all those bands. I couldn't believe it, dude. And he didn't know Spanish. I mean, he, well, he did kind of know Spanish, right? Like he would, he would speak Spanish, dude. I heard him a few times and he would say stuff to me in Spanish. I'd be like, dude, how the hell do you know Spanish? Anyway, he goes, oh man, you know, uh, yeah, you're a Molotov fan. They're coming here to Tempe, dude. They're coming. 
like in, in a month, you know, uh, uh, at the Cajun house, let's go see him. And I was like, yeah, hey, cool, dude, right on. Like, I, I didn't even know that they were in town. And he took me and he sang every one of their songs and he was moshing. Uh, they're like kind of like a, a hard rock act, you know. And then uh, he took me to see the Chili Peppers. We saw Metallica twice together. Uh, we saw Paul McCartney together. And he was just the best. I mean, just being around him, right? You, you felt so comfortable and happy and he would just make those experiences. He well, yeah, because he, he's so, he was so excitable. He was so excited about, about those bands and about the music and all that. And it's always good to be, you know, you don't want to go to a concert with somebody who is like, that ah, doesn't want to be there. <laughs> you know, so he was the exact opposite, the polar opposite of that, where he was just so happy to be there. So it transferred to, yeah. I remember the last time we saw Metallica together, it was at that new stadium. Well, I don't know how new it is now, but I forget what year it opened up, but that, the new Cardinal Stadium, Metallica played there. And uh, Todd Miller's band was playing at a bar in that little area right after the show or during the show. So Ethan goes... Uh, oh, uh, Margaritaville? I think so, yep. I think it was Margaritaville. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, the, sh the Metallica show is winding down and Ethan goes, hey, we're going to go over and see, uh, we're going to go see Todd's band play. And he goes, he better not freaking play Enter Sandman because, you know, that's not my favorite Metallica song. And just because Metallica's playing tonight, he better not play Enter Sandman. He just kept going on about right. it. <laughs> so we go over and like almost the second we get there, you know, he's <laughs> just like, of course, of shaking, course, shaking his head and screaming out, "No, you got, you can't play that song!" And they, they made their way through it, but oh man, he was so fun to hang out with. You know, for someone who uh, doesn't know Ethan, or who listens to this podcast, or you know, in back of the day, and they were to ask you, you know, what what was Ethan like? Like, how would you describe Ethan to someone who didn't know him? Whew. Uh, I mean, the guy was like a nuclear bomb. Like he just had like tons of energy always. Um, everybody, you know, everybody will always say, everybody knows him for being like a super positive attitude all the time. Always in a good mood. Always had something, something nice to say about everybody. Um, you know, some of the stuff, uh, like I said earlier, how he, he liked to, uh, if you didn't know about something, he wouldn't make you feel stupid. He'd be so happy and with the opportunity to enlighten you on it. And, uh, yeah. Um, just funny like quick, quick witted. Uh, one of the things, one of the things that connected us was, uh, kind of a, I don't know, darker sense of humor or not dark. Yeah, I guess dark. Some, something that you shouldn't laugh at. We would always find a way to kind of laugh about it um so yeah and i think he was i think he was a hmm, like to different people he he kind of would know what they needed from him in a way and kind of could yeah kind of be that person for them you know do you know does that make sense oh totally man yeah i was around ethan a lot and i saw him slip into many different he was almost like a he was a social chameleon 
you know, he could find. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. He could find anything in anyone and find something, some kind of common ground, even if it was like an opposing viewpoint, whether it was on politics or history or music, you know, he always had a way to um, connect with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Effortlessly. Second nature, you know, he didn't even, I don't even know if he really had to work on it. He just was that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I later on, you know, I mean, for years after we were in a band together or, or even during, uh, if there was somebody I was just meeting for the first time, uh, and be like, oh, you know, like, oh, you know, Ethan Newman. And like, I know, of course I do. Everybody does. And uh, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, everybody just, he was everybody's best friend. I remember a lot of people would say that uh, when he was on stage or whatever, and then when they walked in, let's say he's already playing the set or whatever, he's in the middle of a set. Somebody walks into the room and he would just act like it was the most exciting thing in the first in the world that that person just walked in the room right there. And uh, he's just kind of had that for everybody. You're not the first uh, person I've talked to, to bring, to bring that up about him. Um, do you remember the la- the last or one of the last conversations that you had with Ethan and what it was about? Ah, oh, thank you. I think I'm trying to think if I called him since moving here, I think I'm, Oh no. No, dude, I went there. I was I was there a few years ago. Huh. Uh, I guess it would have been 2017 or 18, maybe 17. Uh, we went, uh, Christine and I went back to Arizona for, I don't know, a week or so. And, uh, I, you know, when you're not, when you leave town, you just come back for a short time. It's hard to. It's hard to, you know, see everybody or whatever. We made a point. He was playing a gig over at Jolie's place with one of those country guys. And we popped in over there. And, uh, yeah, we, I mean, we were there for maybe a half an hour. We caught a set. He took a break right away and came over. And, you know, we just kind of hung out and <laughs> probably did the same one-up-in-each-other up, one up bullshit that we always did <laughs> for a good 15, 20 minutes till it was time for him to go back, yeah. How about the last gig you guys played yeah. together? Do you remember the last time that you performed with Ethan? Hmm. Man, are you, you're getting some tough stuff now. <laughs> some memory stuff. I'm like, but not like, like chronological memory stuff. <laughs> uh, let's see here. It, for, I would have to say it was probably like uh, an acoustic duo. Um. Every once in a while, I would go up to, on the west side, go up to that uh, sandbar on the west side, up in, like, Peoria. That place was cool. And we would do some stuff. And I would have to say that was probably, that probably the last one. Although it could have been something else, too. Or, you know what? I think maybe somebody canceled on him at Jolie's place, which is in, Ch- uh, in Chandler over there. Uh, and I think, I think that might have been it. That was a little later on, yeah. But I mean, you got to understand, I moved here in 2000, at the end of 2016. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's been that long since I was even 
you know, since I was even there to, to do a gig with them. Right. So, and before that, before that I was, you know, every summer I was coming over here to, you know, do my little summer tour thing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, slowly you just kind of, kind of start, uh, not really losing touch, but I, well, yeah, slowly losing, losing touch. Well, that's how it goes, man. Sometimes. In that respect. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But he was definitely the kind of guy that you could lose touch with, catch up with two, three years later. And it's, you know, like you were just together, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that last time, that last time I saw him, you know, during his, it was like an afternoon gig thing. It, I mean, it was just like we'd seen each other, you know, a week before. You know, what I always appreciated about him is, you know, I left in uh, at the end of 2009, maybe 2010, you know, when I met my wife and we moved to San Antonio and uh, I would go back and visit. And then you remember that time I turned his house into a recording studio for a week and I had a, you picked me up from the airport that time, actually. And uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And I just feel really lucky that I was able to keep in touch, touch with them all these years. And it wasn't hard to do because, you know, every once in a while I'd get a text from him <clears throat> with like a Metallica update or, you know, like when he met Asia and got married or when he, when he met Kirsten, he would always keep me abreast of, you know, what was going on in his life and just a, a really, really good, good friend. And, uh, yeah, I just miss talking to him about that stuff and catching up with them. Yeah, it was uh, for, for, I remember it like um, whenever we would try to do that, just have a, have a quick phone call. It was always, I mean, one of the things I was going to say earlier was, he, I mean, there was no busier musician right. in Phoenix, you know, right. probably, probably in America. And uh, I mean, the guy was doing three gigs a day and then in between, he'd have to go teach some kid a lesson somewhere yeah you know and then he and then he'd come home then he'd come home at two in the morning and stay up and like learn an, another Beatles song that he hadn't had or that he'd forgotten or something he'd stay up and practice some more so he's a busy guy so a lot of times it was always whenever I saw his his, uh, his name pop up on my phone I'd answer it and you could just hear that he was in his truck on his way from point A to point B and it'd be you know, kind of real quick and stuff. But like you say, it was always, you know, even even that, you know, was uh, I was glad then to have it. And I'm glad now that, you know, we'd have those two. Yeah, he was a hard guy to pin down on the phone. That's for sure. Uh, if you got five minutes with him, you're be lucky, <laughs> you know. Exactly. I mean, he was just a he was just a super busy dude. And uh, one time here, this is just another stupid uh, story, but um it was kind of early on in the Capitol Down thing, and we had we had gotten this. Uh, we did a gig to, to so the, the the college football national championship was in the Cardinal Stadium, and then that Westgate kind of outdoor mall thing had a big stage. It was like a really big stage, big PA. I think um, they had bands all day, and I think like Shine Down was going to be the uh, was going to be the headliner that night. Um, so we played at like, I don't know, three or four in the afternoon. And it was just like a, I mean, just a sea of people. These football fans from Ohio and I think it was Florida they played against. 
and uh just a quick like hour hour and a half set and we did it and i was just having we were just having so much fun and i when the show ended we get all stuff i was just like i was like dude let's hang out man let's hang out he's like no i can't i can't hang out i'm like dude come on just hang out when do we get to hang out he's like dude i gotta go he goes i got i have a lesson i gotta go get to a lesson and because he's so busy like that, I'm like, I'm like, dude, how good do you need to get? Because <laughs> I thought he meant that he had to go take a lesson. Oh, he's going to teach one. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, man, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. And, um, you know, everyone who's not at all, man, who's agreed to participate. Um, I just really, you know, for me, this is so fun because i love i could hear stories about ethan hour after hour after hour before i let you go though um there's another thing i'd like to ask and kind of talk to you about and uh you know if i had ethan sitting here with me right now and you had an opportunity to say one last thing to him or have one last conversation with him or say anything to him really what do you think what do you think you'd say? <sighs> what do I think I'd say? I don't know. Um, I tell him I miss him. That's for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I miss him. Wish, wish we could play more. Wish we could hang out and talk more. Um, I would probably want to make some stupid joke and keep that, keep that ball rolling like we always did you know that was the that was my favorite thing that was my favorite thing you know as, as much as playing and and hanging out and everything all those good things i just i loved how how just stupid we used to laugh at that you know ridiculous thing so i think it would probably go a lot like that yeah i just i think you know whether uh you know i could think about how i'd want to steer it but i just think that's how it would, that's where it would go right that's how it was that's how it always was that's cool, man. Thanks for your time, Mike. And I, I meant it when I said I want to talk with you some more. And as time goes on, when you feel like you're ready to, you know, maybe give some more Ethan stories or if, if anything else comes to you, let me know. Yeah, absolutely, man. I Again, I appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time uh, to listen to my my stuff. Uh, dude. And you're not, and and also, man, I want to say, you know, aside from Ethan, how much I appreciate the fact that you and I have kept in touch. And it's interesting because, like we said earlier, we we never really jammed together much. I mean, we kind of had talked about it once or twice, but um, I just really enjoy uh, being your friend and keeping up with your adventures out there. Especially, <clears throat> I really appreciated hearing the differences in the audiences in Sweden and in that part of the world as compared to the United States and um, mm. all the posts that you do on Facebook and Instagram. And it's like living vicariously through you to check out some other parts of the world, you know? Well, no, it's, I'm happy to, uh, it, it gets me, uh, I, I love doing it. So. Yeah. Well, I just appreciate the Sorry, that Thanks for, thanks for following along. Yeah, of course, man. Of course. Well, Mikey, you have a good day. What time is it out there in Sweden right now? It's about 1230 here in uh, upper Michigan. It is uh, 730. 
Okay. Not 7.30 p.m. Not too bad. You still got some time to unwind, get ready for your trip. Um, you're going to New Hampshire. Yeah, I got to pack my pack my small bag. New Is it New Hampshire or New Hampshire? How do you say it? You know? Yeah. I've heard both, but someone um, from there, how do you say it? <laughs> just, let's, just, let's just stick with New Hampshire. Okay. New Hampshire. That's how I say it. Well, enjoy your yeah. trip to the States and uh, thanks for your time. And let's talk soon. Got it, man. Thanks a lot. Take care, Mike. That was my conversation with Mike. And just like everyone else that I've spoken to, he had fond memories and positive thoughts to share. During my conversation with Mike, I referred to Ethan as a social chameleon, and that's exactly what he was. I witnessed it myself. He was able to make friends with people all across the spectrum and establish a deep connection with them. And it wasn't until I spoke to his best friend from third grade, Stefan Platamoni recently, um, that I started to understand how he was able to acquire that skill. Stefan shared some insight with me on how Ethan was raised by his parents, Brad and Kathleen, and they provided a really cool environment for Ethan as he grew up. And I believe that that led to his personality and the way that he was able to connect with so many people. If you live in the Phoenix area and would be interested in watching Mike perform, he's actually returning on October 28th to perform at Fibber McGee's in Chandler, along with Mike Hill, Paul Anthony, and Dean Miller. That's going to be an amazing show and one that you don't want to miss. If you'd like to see what Mike is up to, he is on Facebook and Instagram, and he has the same handle for both, which is Official Mike on the Run, which is all one word. On those platforms, he shares beautiful photos of the scenes that he comes across while he's out traveling and performing across Europe. Join me on my next episode where I will be speaking with Alan Chadwick. He is a legend in the history of the Phoenix music scene, and we have a heartfelt conversation where he shares his memories and thoughts about Ethan. I'd like to end today with a song from Mike's album, a Lesson in What Not to Do, which is available on streaming services. This particular song is my favorite from that album, and it's titled, I'll Never Be Your Ticket Out. Thanks for joining, and we'll see you soon. on fire and turned out the lights you were my savior but just for tonight yeah you were my savior and I need to be saved Just wouldn't listen to the promise I made. 
Just not me. 